If liberal Democrats are trying to elect Donald Trump to a second term, they are succeeding. The more they threaten to prosecute the former president on trumped-up charges, the more his poll numbers rise as his base of support rallies to his defense. What's behind this boomerang effect? All of the threatened criminal cases are transparently political, not legal. Americans can plainly see this, and they resent liberal prosecutors interfering in elections by trying to knock out a leading candidate for the highest office in the land. Voters choose presidents, not prosecutors with a partisan agenda who are pursuing legally lame charges. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over half the world's wheat. What does this mean for you and me? Two words, food shortages. That's why you should stock up on the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food. Create your own stockpile by using the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. Four Patriots Survival Food is hand-packed in the USA with different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use the code G-R-E-G-G to get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots Survival Food. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. There are three pending cases aimed at Donald Trump. Let's take a closer look at each of them. In New York, the district attorney Alvin Bragg's case is, in a word, asinine. The Manhattan DA Bragg and his predecessor devoted unlimited resources to scour Trump's personal and business records. Failing to find evidence of a crime, the DA simply dreamed one up. His legal theory of supercharging a dubious misdemeanor into a felony is not supported by the law, making his case not just absurd, but pathetic. The so-called second crime is a supposed campaign finance violation. But wait a minute. The law does not permit him to do that. A local prosecutor cannot charge a federal crime, and he certainly can't charge a state campaign crime because, oh yeah, it was a federal election. Either way, the statute of limitations ran out long ago. So this is simply a fabricated case that is politically driven. If the Manhattan DA is foolish enough to proceed with his planned grand jury indictment, Bragg, I predict, will pay a price. First of all, sources say there's an internal revolt within the DA's office by senior, experienced prosecutors who are accusing Bragg of engineering the prosecution of a non-crime that is simply unsupported by the law and any credible evidence. Second of all, the grand jury itself may now recognize that Bragg snookered them 
by endorsing a lying witness, Michael Cohen, and also hiding exculpatory evidence, which is both sneaky and reprehensible. It's the kind of stuff for which lawyers get disbarred. Only an incredibly dumb prosecutor, blinded by his hatred of Trump, would ever endorse Michael Cohen as a reliable or trustworthy witness. Among the many crimes to which Cohen pled guilty was perjury. Cohen is one of the most disreputable and disgusting people you will ever meet. His name is synonymous with sleaze and dishonesty. It is truly mystifying how Alvin Bragg doesn't seem to comprehend this. Any half-decent lawyer will easily shred Cohen on cross-examination, leaving Bragg to look like the fool that he is. The Department of Justice looked at the Stormy Daniels payment and concluded there was no crime. So did the Federal Election Commission. Why? Because the payment did not constitute a campaign contribution. All you have to do is read the law. It's obvious. But Bragg has apparently convinced himself that he could be a hero among progressives and Democrats by prosecuting Donald Trump. Instead, I think history will write that he was an incompetent buffoon. Bragg's case will never stand up to the expected legal challenges. It's obvious that Trump was targeted for purely political reasons. Amazingly, Bragg's now former assistant DA, who invented all of this, openly admitted it in an ill-advised book that he published. Mark Pomerantz is his name. He vented his hatred of Trump, and he reasoned in his book that he had to be stopped because the former president, quote, posed a real danger to the country and to the ideals that mattered to me. You know what? It's the duty of a prosecutor to see that justice is done fairly, equitably. Disagreeing with someone's political views or harboring personal animosity, that is not a basis for criminal prosecution. Indeed, it is a serious breach of legal ethics that, again, merits disbarment. Bragg and Pomerantz should be the subjects of a legal proceeding, not Donald Trump. Let's move to Fulton County, the district attorney, Fannie Willis, and her anemic case against Trump. You'll recall that Willis vowed to nail Trump before she ever assumed office. In fact, she made it the centerpiece of her campaign. Now, she had no access to the evidence, mind you. She knew nothing about the case, but she preordained the outcome by promising to voters that she would lock him up. This, too, constitutes an egregious breach of the canon of ethics that govern prosecutors. Once elected, Willis convened a special-purpose grand jury headed by a, a giddy foreperson, you remember her, Emily Kors, who suffered diarrhea of the mouth in a bizarre sequence of media interviews. At the time, I wrote this. Kors acted like a vapid, immature teenager who was smiling, gushing, laughing, and joking about a very serious legal proceeding. Batshit crazy 
noted some on social media. I don't disagree. I know 10-year-olds with more brains and maturity. Coors made a mockery of our justice system. If Trump is indicted in Georgia, you can expect the defense to make an immediate motion to dismiss based on grand jury impropriety and bias. Coors managed to taint the jury pool, not to mention the evidence itself. As for the law, Willis claims that Trump somehow solicited Georgia's government officials to commit fraud in the 2020 election when he asked them to investigate voting irregularities, which, by the way, was his right. Given the paucity of evidence, that is an exceedingly difficult charge for Willis to prove. Why? Because complaining about a rigged election and the suspected shredding of ballots, whether you're right about it or not, in two telephone calls to the Secretary of State is not enough. Nor is it a crime for a candidate to request that votes be re-examined or recalculated because he needed to find 11,780 votes, the amount by which he lost. To bring a legitimate charge, Willis would have to prove that Trump commanded, that's the language in the statute, commanded an official to commit a crime that would alter an election. However, offering an opinion, that's not the same thing as demanding that someone fabricate votes. The statute requires a showing of specific intent, that is to say, Trump willfully and knowingly intended to violate the election laws. Well, good luck proving that. The former president's two telephone calls simply don't show it. That brings us finally to the special counsel Jack Smith and his inflated case against Trump. You know, it's bad enough that Joe Biden's attorney general has been running a protection racket for the many influence peddling schemes that netted the president's family tens of millions of dollars from malign foreign adversaries such as China and Russia. The attorney general didn't bat an eye when the FBI pressured social media companies into censoring and suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story in advance of the 2020 election. It's equally bad that Garland ordered the FBI to treat concerned parents at school board meetings as domestic terrorists or to spy on Catholics or to target pro-life activists while refusing to pursue abortion activists who committed crimes. Protesters were allowed to threaten conservative Supreme Court justices outside their homes with no criminal charges despite clear violations of the law. All of that's okay. In fact, it pales in comparison to Garland's grandest ploy of all. He assigned a special counsel, Jack Smith, to investigate Trump over the events of January 6th, as well as the alleged classified documents in Brolio at Mar-a-Lago that triggered an exaggerated, wholly unmerited FBI raid. There's no evidence whatsoever that supports a charge that 
Trump incited violence on January 6th, or that he was involved in an insurrection conspiracy. Take a look at his speech at the National Mall. Trump encouraged his supporters to let their voices be heard, but he cautioned them to behave peacefully. So under no construction of the law did Trump advocate imminent violence, which the incitement statute and the case law demand. As for the classified documents dispute, Trump insists he declassified the records before he departed office. In fact, the law affords him unfettered discretion to do that. If the materials at his residence were no longer classified, then he has not run afoul of the law. As I've written before, the Trump records are little more than a dispute over the custody of papers. It's governed exclusively by the Presidential Records Act of 1978. This controlling statute is civil, not criminal. So the proper remedy for Garland was to seek a return of the contested documents by going to a civil court, filing a motion, letting an impartial judge resolve the conflict. It is not obstruction of justice for Trump to assert his rights under the Presidential Records Act. After all, this is what Bill Clinton did in a similar case a decade ago. And at the time, the Department of Justice argued that a former president can keep whatever documents he wants, and the government has no authority to seize them. Trump was following the same standard enunciated by the DOJ and endorsed, by the way, by the National Archives and a U.S. district court in Washington, D.C. Moreover, Trump invited the FBI to take whatever records it wanted. A warrant was unnecessary. It was abusive. But Merrick Garland chose to criminalize a civil statute that contains no criminal remedy. Senior officials at the FBI correctly objected to the Mar-a-Lago raid, but the attorney general overruled them. He knew better than anyone else, and he ordered a phalanx of armed FBI agents to descend on Donald Trump's home. As it is with the district attorneys Bragg and Willis, the pursuit of Trump by Garland is about politics. It's not about the law. The true intent here is to bludgeon Trump with the cudgel of investigations and threatened prosecutions. Yet the unintended consequence appears to be that Trump is gaining even more support by those who see these prosecutors as transparently corrupt and abusive. Joining me now to talk about it is Horace Cooper, legal commentator and co-chair of the Black Leadership Network Project 21. He's author of the upcoming book, Put Y'all Back in Chains, How Biden's Policies Harm Black Blacks. That's coming out on the 4th of July, and it's available now for pre-sale. You can order it at the usual online sites. I look forward to that book. Horace, thanks for much, so much for being with us today. Hey, it's great to come on the program. 
You know, as I mentioned in my introductory remarks, if liberal Democrats are trying to elect Donald Trump to a second term, uh, they appear to be succeeding because the more they threaten him on these sort of trumped up charges, the more his poll numbers rise. Uh, you know, look at the Monmouth poll, look at the uh, morning console poll. Ever since uh, these, you know, threatened prosecutions, which are really persecutions, arose, his numbers have only gone up. Is that, do you think, because, you know, Americans are smart. They see this for what it is, uh, you know, transparently political. Well, what we're watching is an abuse of our judicial system. It undermines the American public's support for a criminal justice system. The whole benefit of a criminal justice system is that instead of you and I acting to personally handle the criminal conflicts that we are exposed to, that we agree to witness, observe, and even participate in a criminal justice system that will faithfully handle it. We called that, when I was in law school, self-help, something that we always want to avoid. Our left-wing progressive activists in America are undermining the ability and willingness of the American people to let the criminal justice process take its course. What they see is the criminal justice process being hijacked. Now, with regard to polling, let me just say this, that it is true that we can see a spike in support for Donald Trump. But I've been looking a little longer than just since this conversation uh, in, in 2023 about potential prosecution. Donald Trump is the only presidential potential presidential candidate who, after having lost, has shown some resiliency in the polling process. There are websites that you can use that track how people are um, polling. And one of them is on the 538 website, and it's just a trial heat. In 1992, when Bill Clinton barely beat George Herbert Walker Bush, Gallup and a number of these other surveys started asking this question during the Clinton administration. Hey, are you happy with your decision? If you had to do it all over again, how would you vote? Throughout the first four years and even the second four years, George Herbert Walker Bush never came close. He never surpassed uh, Bill Clinton. So if you had these faux trial runs, Bill Clinton didn't just win barely, he won handily. The same was true in 96 with Bob Dole. I won't belabor this. I'll just explain. This was true with George W. Bush and John Kerry and Al Gore. This was true with Barack Obama. Both his re-elections 
whether it was Romney, whether it was McCain, you could not find a trial run heat in which the loser in that race later was seen to run ahead. We've now seen more than 15, 15 surveys since Biden has been elected with Donald Trump running ahead of him. That's a sign of the weakness of the presidency of Joe Biden. And now, to your point, those numbers are spiking. What was a three or four point lead is a five or even eight point lead. And I'm talking about AP. I'm talking about Washington Post. I'm talking about Gallup. What we're seeing is the American people rejecting the radical policies of Joe Biden. And now when added with it, the misuse and abuse of our criminal justice system, indeed a spike has occurred. Talk about abuse of the criminal justice system. Um, Alvin Bragg's legal theory is so cockamamie and, and convoluted. Um, its novelty is exceeded only by its absurdity. You know, this taking a, a dubious misdemeanor and supercharging it into a felony uh, is not supported by a law. Apparently, he's going to try to charge a federal campaign finance violation, but he's a local prosecutor. He can only charge under state law, not federal crimes. I mean, I, I do not see that his case can withstand judicial scrutiny. Uh, what do you think? Well, I agree with that analysis 100%. Look, if this were a law school exam, the answer would not be, yes, you can succeed. The answer would be, you had to do the analysis. Our, when I was in law school, the professors would create circumstances and ask for you to do the analysis. What you've got here is a federalism problem. Uh, the state government is not supposed to be in the business of enforcing state law. We know that for more than 175 years, that that's not something that the state of New York or uh, a borough in uh, the state of New York has the power to do. You've got a statute of limitations. You've got this idea that you can transfer what's a misdemeanor into a felony by backstrapping it into some kind of conspiracy to violate federal law. There would be a lot of things on this law school exam to identify, but what if a, because a, a, I taught constitutional law at George Mason University, if you wrote down the answer was, and yes, you may successfully indict and it would withstand a judicial scrutiny, well, you would fail. Now, you could identify a number of the problems with this lawsuit, and you might get partial credit. If you identified all of them, you could get full credit. It's not a surprise to me that there are members on his own team of prosecutors who have a problem with this, it's not surprising to me that there are people on the grand jury that have a problem with this. 
but I will repeat, I believe there are going to be judges both at the trial court level and the appellate court level that are not happy to have this dumped on them knowing that there just is no way this case can withstand scrutiny. They're going to feel pushed upon that you've put this case in their courtroom and they don't want to be the one that, quote, freed Donald Trump, but they also don't want to be the one that said, we thought this was a great case and it ought to go forward. And there are going to be a series, in my view, if this case goes forward, there are going to be a series of appeals that are going to allow the case to be so truncated, so narrowed, so that finally there's nothing left. And none of this is going to happen before the November uh, 24 elections. You know, even Democrats are throwing cold water on this uh, Looney Tunes legal theory that, that Bragg has put forth. He actually came up with it under pressure from his now former assistant DA, Mark Pomerantz, who had the audacity and stupidity, quite frankly, uh, to publish a book in which he openly admits he hated Trump and they targeted him uh, because the former president, and I'm quoting here, posed a real danger to the country and to the ideals that mattered to me. My goodness. You know, Horace uh, it's the duty of a prosecutor to see that justice is done, it, it, not to target somebody because you hate him or because you don't like his political views. Isn't that the sort of thing that in a honest and perfect world is such a serious breach of legal ethics that, that uh, you know, Pomerantz as well as Alvin Bragg should be facing disbarment proceedings, right? Well, absolutely. There was a time when this kind of behavior was so frowned upon that you actually forfeited your right to practice. And I'm not talking about the 1920s and the 1930s. As recently as the 2000s, what you would see is this kind of behavior. Now, what I'm troubled by also is that apparently the disciplinary process is only ideological. It only goes one way. If you try to be an advocate for your client as vigorous as possible, you now can suffer from an uh, investigation or even potential disbarment. It is remarkable how instead of standing up for the right of attorneys to be vigorous, to be good advocates for their client, instead what we see is we punish for that but if you abuse your role as a prosecutor, you're probably going to get celebrated. There's probably going to be a dinner uh, named after you. This is a real troubling out, uh, concern, and it is another reason why the American people are dismayed about this. I'd prefer to see a world where the New York Times says we understand you don't like Donald Trump. This isn't how you do it. I would prefer to see a world where the women of The View say, we hate him too, but this isn't how. You're out of your lane. 
we have a prosecutor that frankly ought to already before this already have been removed from office he has refused to enforce the law as passed duly by the state legislature of the uh, 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 New York instead of exercising some discretion that all prosecutors have, his use of discretion has essentially rewrote the law, making it so that you may engage in all manner of criminal mayhem, placing Americans, both those who are tourists and those who are residents, at risk. He ought to have already been removed from office. The shame of it is that his bad acts as a poor prosecutor have led him to think he must double down. Instead of changing course and starting to say that if you push someone in front of a subway train, we're going to put all our resources into holding you accountable, he has said, I'm likely going to get challenged in a primary. I know what I'll be. I'll be the uber anti-Trumper. Shame on him and shame on any voter who overlooks this abuse to allow this man to be re-elected merely because you share political views. Speaking of crazy town cases, let's move down to Georgia. The Fulton County DA, Fannie Willis is her name. Uh, I have described her case as anemic at best. Uh, She is claiming that Trump somehow solicited Georgia government officials to commit fraud in the 2020 election when he asked them to investigate voting irregularities. Uh, You know, Horace, when you get on the phone to the Secretary of State down in Georgia and you complain about a rigged election and you know suspected shredding of ballots, whether it's true or not, if you genuinely believe it and you demand that the votes be reexamined, recounted, recalculated, um, that's not a crime. You know, offering your opinion and making a request is not the same thing as demanding that somebody fabricate votes and commit election fraud, is it? Of course not. In fact, you know, this is one of the beauties of being a progressive. Every day is a new day. What you just did yesterday is no longer relevant. Yesterday, it was okay to come out and challenge Donald Trump on the floor of the House of Representatives and say, to the Electoral College uh, members attending, that it was inappropriate for them to offer up their vote. Yesterday, when George W. Bush was reelected in 2004, this similar process occurred. And let's look at what happened in 2000. It wasn't simply, it wasn't simply that there were irregularities if the Supreme Court hadn't intervened what was clearly unlawful behavior where selective counting was occurring only in counties that favored Al Gore. To this day, to this day, 
even though the Associated Press and a number of news media gathered a few years after the 2000 election and reported that George W. Bush won fair and square, there has never been any criminal investigation of any of the parties that clearly in front of God and everybody tried to steal this election. And what we were told then was that they were operating within the law. It would be unfair to investigate. It would be unfair to press charges. Now, what we see is this unbelievable. If you thought the case in New York lacked credibility, this case lacks credibility. It takes First Amendment activity. It takes constitutionally protected rights, and that is ensuring that the election occurred appropriately, fairly, and justly, and it criminalizes that. And in this case, there has been an attempt to make the attorneys involved in helping to uh, elucidate what the truth was in all of this a uh, crime as well. It is telling that after the 2000 election, the media recognized the importance of investigating, of thoroughly looking into it. What we've been told instead about 2020 is it was the most secure. It was the most safe. It was the best election that Americans have ever seen. Why not at least go through the due diligence instead of criminalizing Donald Trump and any of the other parties who worry that this election isn't on the up and up? So the final case um, that uh, has targeted Trump is Merrick Garland appointed special counsel Jack Smith to look into a couple of things. Uh, whether he incited violence on January 6th, uh, look, that's ridiculous. His speech at the National Mall, he encouraged his supporters to let their voices be heard, but he cautioned them, behave peacefully. So uh, under no construction of the law, did he advocate imminent violence, which, of course, as you know, the incitement statute and case law demand. The, the second part of it, though, is this uh, dispute over custody of presidential papers, whether they're classified or not. Uh, that's in dispute. But Horace, um, presidential papers, whether they're classified or not, the controlling statute is civil, not criminal. Isn't it true that the proper remedy for Garland was to seek return of those documents by simply filing a motion in civil court and allow a judge to resolve the conflict, not to uh, take a civil statute and suddenly and magically criminalize it to go after Trump for, you know, everything from obstruction of justice to the harboring of classified documents? Your thoughts? Once again, you're exactly correct. If we were sitting in my law school class, uh, you would be getting the extra points. I'd mark that next to your name so Thank that you. when we're reviewing uh, scores later, I remembered that this is the insight. Why is it that there needed to be even a special counsel named? Now, my goodness, our existing President Joe Biden 
has his own fair share of issues about what was done with uh, secured uh, national security protected top secret documents. Former President Obama had his share of these documents. What looks remarkably inappropriate in this case has been one, no effort has been to ascertain whether or not there was some lawful ability to maintain these documents, and if, in fact, there was a disagreement about that, why that couldn't be and shouldn't rightfully be resolved in a civil setting rather than a criminal setting. It is very, very much disconcerting, again, for the American people to see the former president before we can ascertain what the issues are, we have an FBI team show up. I don't believe, now this is me, just me, I don't believe we have heard the final uh, collection of Biden clearance documents. I think sometime this summer, what we're going to hear is, ah, we've come up with another set. But to watch the difference in that process, I understand we're not prosecuting a sitting president, but we're also not taking the kind of aggressive steps that we see with former President Trump. None of these aggressive steps were taken with former President Obama. None of these aggressive steps were even contemplated with then Vice President Biden. The case here, it's a real good example of if you're not a super wealthy person like Donald Trump, you'd already had to plead. You'd already have to be convicted. You'd already be sentenced. Our criminal justice system is not supposed to be predicated on there's fair play if you can throw $20 million in legal fees toward your accusers. That's not justice. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I've said it so many times that, you know, prosecutors armed with unlimited resources and immense power uh, all too often uh, allow the justice system to be, as you put it, hijacked for political reasons. Horace Cooper we're out of time. Um, lawyer, legal commentator, co-chair of the Black Leadership uh, Network, Project 21. I'm looking forward to your upcoming book. Uh, it's entitled Put You All Back in Chains, How Biden's Policies Harm Blacks. It's coming out July 4th, available now for pre-sale. Horace, uh, many, many thanks for being with us today on The Brief. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.